five, four, three, two, one, go. Welcome to Dynamics of Dialogue. And today, I am your guest host, Takesha Smith. Um, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I also happen to be um, the clinical director at the Ad Promise Center for Chris 180. And I have my own business. It's called TK Smith and Consulting, where I provide clinical consultations. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Ty Davis. Welcome, Ty. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you for doing this for me, because I certainly can't interview myself, so I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate this opportunity myself. Um, this is a first, so I welcome the opportunity, and I am always excited to speak with you about this and definitely listening to your story. And um, part of your story is uh, uh, one of your stories that we often talk about or that you've shared with me before is about your past. And today we're going to kind of finish up what we were talking about the last time we met. Um, but today we're going to focus more on recognizing the need to recover um, because that's necessary to our survival um, and the positive side of recovery. Um <clears throat> And some, some people may have questions about, you know, recovery. What is recovery? What am I recovering from? Oh, I've moved past it. This happened a long time ago. And many people don't know what to look for or don't know the signs and symptoms of what we call trauma, um, mm -hmm. which can also be given a diagnosis of what we call post-traumatic stress disorder or complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And what that looks like in children and adults is a little different, but some some of it is, is basically the same. There can be some eating disturbances, sleep disturbances. Uh, it can be clingy. Most children are clingy, irritable. They have uh, deal with poor memory or memory loss. Um, some of them will, will deal with some somatic complaints. There may be some delays in their development, a lot of anxiety, a lot of isolation, daydreaming. Even we see disassociation with children and adults as well. Um, aggressive behavior, sexualized behaviors, um, difficulty trusting others, interpersonal difficulties. Um, sometimes we also see an increase in medical problems. Same thing for adults. Just very, very simple. <clears throat> excuse me. Very, very similar symptoms when it comes to adults. That includes the sleep and appetite disturbance, some, some anxiety, difficulties trusting other people, um, isolation, uh, the disassociation, poor impulse control, eating sleep disorders. In, in adults, I see a lot of physical medical complaints like high blood pressure, uh, inflammation, poor, poor digestive systems. And those are just some of the signs and symptoms, like I said, that are associated with trauma and related to post-traumatic stress disorder and including com complex post-traumatic disorder. But there are ways for us to recover from that. You don't have to stay experiencing those types of behaviors and symptoms. Those things cause a, or those symptoms and behaviors cause a huge, huge issue or problem when it comes to um, 
really just being able to function. You know, can uh, and I was going to ask you, could you talk more or talk to us about one any any of those symptoms that you may have and how it impacted your life? Oh boy. Um, yes, thank you for going into that because that is, um, it's actually a huge thing. And um, what I actually experience now that is problematic is actually dissociation. And it is very scary. I did not recognize what it was and completely freaked out when it first started happening to me. Um, the way it first showed up and I... Ooh, I have to talk about this. Um, the way it first showed up is um, one day I apparently had been cooking and I burned myself, but I don't remember cooking. I don't remember burning myself. I don't remember feeling any of the pain. All I know is I had this really painful scar, burn mark on my arm. And it really, it, it's like one minute I just kind of woke up in the pain, like not woke up from a sleep, but it's like one minute I just became aware of this pain. And I'm mm. like, okay, that freaked me out. It actually freaked me out so bad. I ended up checking out, checking myself into the hospital um, because I, I, it's like I wasn't really there. It's like my mind had just gone away and I'd lost time that seemed like hours. And I don't know what happened, you know, but I know that it was me because I'm in my apartment alone. And, you know, um, you know, so the dog got fed because it was food in a bowl. I don't remember doing it, you know, and, and so I, I don't, um, it was scary, you know, and most recently it happened again where I had, um, I had this itching on my shoulder and I couldn't figure out, you know, what, you know, what is this? I'm reaching back there and I'm scratching and I realized there's this big scar that's healing. It's like a, you know, it's a scab on my shoulder. And I'm like, and as I'm scratching it, it's painful. But I'm like, well, if it's painful now, then that means it probably should have been painful when it happened. Right. But right. I don't remember it. And it's a really dark scar. It looks like it was, I don't know, just a couple of centimeters, like, two, you know, a centimeter or two wide, maybe a centimeter wide. So it wasn't okay. like a fingernail. It wasn't like I scratched myself with my fingernail. It, it looks more like I hooked myself onto something and it scratched me and I don't remember what happened. I don't remember it happening. You don't recall at all. You, you, can't, no. you don't have any memory of possibly sticking yourself no. or getting hooked up on anything. No. Not, no recollection at all. Nope. Wow. 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 Yeah. That unfortunately, that is a common symptom of um, of trauma, and uh, that's associated with also with PTSD. That's the mm -hmm. disassociation component that we spoke of um, of earlier, and that can be dangerous. Yeah. I just want to understand how dangerous that can be. Like you said, you fed the dog. You know, the dog had eaten, but you don't even remember placing the, I guess, the food and the, and the water in the dog bowl. Nope. Wow. Okay. Okay. So it's like, to, mm -hmm. so it's like to be aware that you're doing stuff and don't know you're doing it. That's scary. Yeah. And, and that explains why if people will think about it, how sometimes after someone has had a, a traumatic event, it, it will look like they've been, um, like they're, they're paralyzed. They're walking, but they're paralyzed. They look like they've completely zoned out. 
Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. My coworkers, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, now that you say that, when I first mm-hmm. had the nervous breakdown, right, after I stopped working, one of my coworkers said to me that I looked like I was in a coma. She said that I looked like my hair could have been on fire and I wouldn't have noticed. Would not have even noticed. Mm-hmm. It felt it. You know, mm-hmm. because the same thing with, with the scratch or the mark on the back on your back. We don't mm-hmm. even recall when it happened, but mm-hmm. we know it happened because there's evidence of yes. it happening. Yes. Um, and those are things that cannot be dismissed. And that's a clear sign of an opportunity uh, that recovery is needed or for recovery. Um, so let's talk about your recovery process and what that's been like for you, what that journey of recovery process is. Can you, if you can tell me about when when did it start, where did it start, and what did it look like? Boy, okay. So it's kind of really hard to pinpoint it. I, I will say I first became aware of this, that, that there's a recovery movement back in 2014. I was okay. um, seeing a therapist, and at the center I was seeing a therapist at, they had these people called CPSs come in and teach this class on wellness. So I was like really interested and they're talking about all these things. And that's the first time I ever heard anybody talk about recovering from any type of mental illness. Um, Mm. So I I had applied to become and the CPS is a certified peer specialist. It's a person that lives with a mental health diagnosis and um, they are a peer support. Um, They are CPSs are actually practitioners so that, you know, you can the services that you you work with people, you can bill Medicaid and Medicare. Um, but you have right. to be working under an organization to do that. Um, so you're a person with a diagnosis and um, you, you you help other peers. Um, so, um, you know, I applied to be a CPS then and it didn't come through. So that whole idea kind of just went out of my head. And I kind of went on to find different ways of connecting with other people, though, in this community. Um so I finally got connected uh, to some folks at the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network again um, for a second time when I went back and applied um, for a job there. And I, you know, happened to come across this great recovery community, you know, um, and, you know, it seemed like there's a bunch of people that are just like me that have struggling, but they, you know, are in recovery from all kinds of different things. Well, it, largely uh, substance abuse. So um, after a while, that kind of got to be a little bit of a challenge because, you know, most of the direction, some of the direction I got from people that dealt with things like schizophrenia, I could identify with them because of the scatteredness in the brain. You know what I mean? Um, You know, I may not have schizophrenia, but I could certainly connect with what they're, some of them were experiencing. So they gave me, you know, ideas to do things like meditate and use um, 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 sound healing. Um, and I did that, but I really didn't grasp it, you know, until I, after I became a CPS, after I worked, in, you know, in mental health for a little while, and I saw all these great things that people were doing in recovery for, um, substance abuse, but I'm like, yeah, but it's not really touching on my experience, right. you know, right. so that's, that's where I started to really dig deeper and delve okay. into spirituality. I got a life coach. 
Um, That was helpful. That was those two things, connecting with the sense of spirituality, not religion. Religion was made by people. Spirituality comes from your soul, right? Um, So it was after that experience that I really, um, you know, began to delve into it. In the last episode, I talked about how transformational it was. Um, Mm -hmm. It was really transformational in that my life coach gave me what they call a transformation of identity matrix and um, a list of feelings. Now, it's amazing. It's weird that you have to get a list of feelings, but, you know, it, it... what I found is that she would ask me about a feeling and I would uh-huh. tell her what I was thinking. And I realized then that I was, dis- it was, it was only through this process that I realized I'm disconnected from my real feelings. Absolutely. Because you, through trauma, all right, you lose feelings. Mm-hmm. Once we call, sometimes we call it stages that people go through when, when trauma happens and you're dealing with um, or been diagnosed or dealing with PTSD or complex PTSD. But the first stage that we talked about was this disassociation that you speak of. And it's kind of like your circuit having a break. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like everything shuts off. There's a mm-hmm. feeling of numbness because naturally the body will, will go numb to protect. It will naturally do things physically and mentally to protect itself. Mm-hmm. So there has to be an opportunity for what was there before, mm-hmm. what, what was, what you were able to do before to return. So there's a return of feelings that, that must that must be allowed an opportunity that for must that must be allowed because then we have to figure out what it is that you need, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and in order for that to happen, your feelings have to return. So I, I think therapeutically that was the correct thing to do. That makes sense. And yes. it sounds like it worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, did it work? It, you know, I, I feel Connecting with my feelings allowed me to to really be in touch with my authentic self. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't even really understand that, um, you know, there was a self that I had. You know, the ego is the super ego, the id and the ego, right? That's correct. And I was, my super ego was the part of me, that's the part of you where, you know, the narcissism may exist. That's the part of you where it's like your front man, you know, um, that's the part of me that was interacting with people. So even, and and it was, so it was like, I was really interacting with people on a surface level because I wasn't connected to myself. I couldn't really have real authentic connections with other people because I'm not even, I'm not able to tell you when I'm really angry. Instead, I just go off, think about it and get mad. (laughs) You know, that's what I would do. Uh, It goes back to being able to identify what you need and how can you tell other people what you need when you don't have the language, the vernacular to be able to identify for yourself. So that's a necessary uh, process or stage of healing. Right. What were some of the things that you were feeling. Can you tell us about this? Oh boy. Um, it was overwhelming. I think that's why. Yeah. I think that's probably, I'm sure that's why I disconnected from those feelings. You know, I felt, um, feelings of lack of self-worth. So maybe it would be like, um, in a relationship, you know, a boyfriend might make a comment to me and it would just hurt me so deeply. 
you know, it would just impact my self-worth in a way that is like, you know, why do I keep hearing this? You know, the, it's kind of like with these new age messages we hear, well, if it's everybody else and then it's you, you know, then the problem is you. <laughs> and so I felt like I was the problem because I'm like, well, why does everybody do that? So I really felt mm-hmm. like something was wrong with me. But in reality, it wasn't that something Well, I mean, in the regard of disassociation, yeah, there was a problem. But in these instances, this is just interpersonal. You know, I, I, I wasn't able to really express how I felt because I'm like, well, I'm always questioning myself. Right. And that which impacts your actions, yeah. how, you, how you move forward, the two right. go hand in hand. So right. it becomes a merry ground if we don't, if if we don't acknowledge and build and work on how to, um, to express ourselves, but figuring out what those feelings are mm-hmm. and being able to identify them. That mm-hmm. is a necessary part of our of self care. That's mm-hmm. how one way that we are able to take care of ourselves and hold ourselves accountable and being committed to us mm-hmm. ourselves. It okay. wasn't until okay. it wasn't until she I I got the tra- it was really freaky too because she would go okay. through the exercise with me and she would give me the feelings inventory because I would have to look at that list and think about it and connect to what I would see and say, okay, this is what this feeling is. And that was really weird for me because I'm like, wow, how do I, how am I not able to name these feelings? And then I would go and um, look at, you know, maybe a belief I might've had about myself. Like, you know, I don't have any worse, you know, which would have come from the experiences, you know, that I've had uh, going through such sustained trauma for so long and like I talked about in the last last episode it was really impactful for me when uh, Dyfus came and took my brother you know out of the home and you know brought him to safety and they, they just left me there so that really yes you know and my mom that really impacted me so deeply myself where it's like it's even it, it just was awful, you know, and but so I really didn't understand that I had that belief about myself, though, until I went through this feelings inventory. And when she gave me that and I recognized, OK, this feeling means that I I'm I'm lacking self-worth. There's in that identity matrix. Right. And there's a whole list, a whole write up on worth. And as I looked at it, it wrote out all these statements about what it looks like when you don't believe that you have self-worth. And I was right. astonished because I felt like I was, they were reading my mind. I felt like, how can I read something on paper? And these are all deep-seated beliefs that I held mm-hmm. about myself that I really hadn't even acknowledged, but it all resonated with me because I knew I had felt that way in the past. You know, so that, that really opened up a lot for me. Well, that's good. It sounds like um, your journey with a life coach has been deep and profound. Yes. Provide, um, you know, definitely some healing, um, but it's necessary for for us to understand that we have to do the work. Yes. Um, we don't feel like it, even when we question it. it you you went in and you dug deep. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. I, mean, uh, I appreciate that um, because so many people will say, "I've tried everything and nothing has worked." Well, have you really tried it? Did you really try? And did you really try everything? And, right. and part of part of your own growth 
is is being uncomfortable at times. And I'm sure That's everybody's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And releasing. Yes. You gotta be uncomfortable. If you think about it, throughout the developmental process, I remember having this myself growing up, but it was something called growing pain. Mm-hmm. That that is a medical term called growing pain. You're going to grow, you're going to change, it but it is gonna hurt sometimes. And that's okay. We can get through it. And the um, thing, I think that what we tend to do, though, is I think in society, you know, not just, I mean, it's a cultural society thing that when we feel deep emotional pain, we suppress it. And if we don't ever allow ourselves to feel that pain, we can't cope with it. And so what I did is I realized, you know, damn, I'm, you know, I'm having all of these problems, you know, with, right. you know, I, 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 I was so desperate to try something. I just decided, I just started letting myself feel the feeling and I just had to sit there and cry it out and until it was done. And that's okay because there will come a point in time where you can no longer run. That's okay. right. That's no right. Longer, either physically, mentally, or emotionally, or all three. Mm-hmm. And then what manifests or what happens? Who are you when you can no longer run? You know, you realize you were having all of these problems, problems Mm -hmm. with relationships, with communications, with people who you were connecting with. Um, That sounds like, you know, that at that point it became an eye opening experience or moment for you. I Mm -hmm. can, you may not have said this, but you realized on some level that you can no longer run. I I really, go ahead. And the pain was too great. It was so great. I couldn't run anymore. You know, the nervous breakdown made that possible. I I couldn't, you know, it was, I ran and ran and ran and ran. And I call it a nervous breakdown, but it really, I guess it was called a a major depressive episode. That's what the eye said of the, of the flashbacks, the auditory Mm -hmm. and visual flashbacks and things like that. So it was like my body, my brain stopped me. I, I, the, during that period of time, um, the years of running brought me to a point in that breakdown where I experienced what the neurologist called pseudo dementia. So what was happening to me is that I would be, you know, I'm driving around my neighborhood, places that I'm, I'm, I've been a thousand times. And all of a sudden while I'm driving, I couldn't remember where I was going. I didn't recognize my surroundings, you know, and I would just have to pull over. And it it is so unnerving for something like that to happen. But what she explained to me, you know, they did the brain scan. They stuck the little things on my brain and I sat in the chair and, and, you know, I remember her asking me to, you know, relax. And I'm like, well, I think I'm relaxed, but I was so disconnected from my feelings. I couldn't even tell that even though I felt relaxed, what I didn't understand is that I had normalized I had normalized hypersensitivity. So I can I had to find a place of being relaxed even that way. But on the brain scan, it's, you know, flopping up and down like a monster. Because I'm just right. all over the place, you know. Um, and it became normal for you. It yeah. became normal, you know. And so she explained to me what it's really like is the brain just throws out all the information. When it's overstressed, it throws out all the information it doesn't deem as necessary. So I was wow. literally put into a position where I couldn't run. My brain would no longer allow me to run. Run. It literally shut down. I had cognitive impairments that made me have to leave my field of work. It was difficult. Wow. Yeah. And that's how, you know, that, that impacts 
or, or that just well first that of course impacts your entire life every yes. component of especially not being able to to work, which impacts, you know, you financially, but it speaks to relationships. It speaks to, really, it, it renders you vulnerable. Oh, my because, God. Yeah, it, it, it renders you even more vulnerable. It becomes a safety issue now, which mm-hmm. is more important than the financial component. But right. now you're, you're, you're vulnerable. Um, I was so vulnerable, I didn't even... When you talked about that, what it brought up for me, um, you know, as black women, Mm -hmm. we're always told we're strong, we're always expected. And the, the thing that was so lonely and isolating is that people around me couldn't understand, like the people in my family, my husband, my son, they couldn't understand that I was not capable in that time of functioning at the same capacity I had always been. I I was a high tech person, you know, I was a business analyst on a process engineering team. I was about to start my idol certification. I'd already gotten my Six Sigma green belt. So they were used to me being very Uh analytical, very capable, always on top. I was a go-to person at work, but I couldn't do it. And, And instead of getting compassion, I got a lot of anger. Why can't you do this? Well, I need you to do this. But, right. you know, so interpersonal, I was extremely vulnerable, but it's like going through that process, really the only person that kind of even allowed space for me to be vulnerable was my mom. She came down from New York, okay. um, which is significant because I, I'm living in a house with my husband and son, but I still needed my mom to come down to help. Okay. We need our natural support. I I, I didn't know, but I and it was challenging because, you know, my therapist had challenges with it because she wanted, and I'm sure you would probably agree as a therapist, she wanted for, I needed the family support. Um, I needed the the internal, I needed the support of the people that were already in my house because my mom was not, you know, she lived in New York. Her, that's her environment. She wanted me to be able to develop the supports with my husband and son. And that wasn't happening. Yeah. 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 So interpersonally, I think as a black woman going through that experience, what I was not allowed by the general community at large was vulnerability. I wasn't allowed that space. And it was a lot of criticism in my, you know, it was currently active at the time in my chapter. Um, It was, you know, no one understood. It was really heartbreaking because I, I was mentoring some young girls and um, there was one night when I needed to, um, boy, (laughs) um, I was, I was supposed to pick, the girl I was mentoring up from practice, her mother was out of town and I would allow her to, I would have her stay with me when her mom was out of town. Um, so I was supposed to go pick her up from practice and I, I couldn't, I couldn't because my psychiatrist um, had decided to commit me in the hospital on a ten thirteen. Okay. Um, so, so for people who know what a ten thirteen is, it's, it, it is a, a involuntary transport. To a what we call an ERS, that's an emergency receiving facility, emergency room or department, or a psychiatric hospital to have you evaluated. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. <laughs> Excuse me. 
And the key about that is, is that it's on a 1013, it's involuntary. So that means that right. I didn't have the option of refusing. There was nothing I could do. Even if I, they, if I refused, they told me they would call the cops and the cops would make me go. And that's exactly yeah. what would happen, right? That is correct. So once that 1013 is signed, the individual no longer has a choice whether or not they want to go. Once I sign that form, I've basically taken away your right to choose. So you no longer have the choice to go or to not go. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Right. So, um, and so that was really hurtful, you know, because it's like, I couldn't understand why couldn't they understand? I had to call another person on that team to pick mm-hmm. up the young girl for me and keep her or at least connect with my, you know, and they, they, she was angry at me because I'm taking wow. up her time. But I mean, she, nobody could understand that. You know, for me, in my mind, you know, this is a young girl I'm mentoring. So in my mind, it's not really appropriate for me to have my husband, you know, as a person that's been through sex abuse, you know, and I'm not saying that my husband, I'm certainly not saying that my husband and son would do something, but I'm saying in my mind, where my issues go, I wouldn't call my husband and son to get her and deal with that situation. They weren't members. They weren't on that team. You know, that's, it's, you know, I, I just believe that I needed to reach out to the resource that we, this is what we were doing as a group. Um, so that was really hurtful, you know, so I really, I lost a lot of connections with friends. Okay. Um, and that's typical when people are going through these types of situations and they are hurting. Um, that's a part of, of the separation component. And unfortunately, as as a community um, and as a culture, African Americans has have doesn't have the best reputation when it comes to supporting our people with uh, regarding anything with behavioral health issues, and that's something that we have we have the capacity to do it to do better, um, but we, we we don't. And for me, that is a choice. So I'm sorry to hear that, but. Just know that people like myself, and this is why it's important for you to tell your story, um, to be a part of a movement that is changing that narrative within our community, mm-hmm. especially with black women. Often we are not heard. We, mm-hmm. you know, people will ignore the obvious signs and symptoms, and it will be dismissed. We have a tendency to what's called adultize our young women. Our mm-hmm. young ladies are females. Mm-hmm. You know, they get labeled as fast. They get labeled as, well, she can do this to take take the role of mama when mama's not there and mama has to do this. And this is how situations come about where our young girls get violated. Mm-hmm. Um, they they continue to be ignored mm-hmm. um, and, and, and go unheard. And then we become broken. Mm-hmm. And then to not have a community to be able to come in and not only support our process of healing, but don't even agree with it. Don't know mm-hmm. what it looks like. Don't mm-hmm. understand it. Refuses mm-hmm. to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. We'll label it as, as weak. She's not a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I'm not going to get off into this, but it leads to, to the whole component of this black girl magic 
you know, uh, uh, hashtag that, 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 that gets thrown out there. I want us as a community to be very careful with that because mm-hmm. I don't want to continue to perpetuate this image of black women not needing help. We need help. We need the support of our fathers, of our brothers, of our husbands, of other sisters. We need the help. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm just passionate about this. Uh, the listeners will have to forgive me, but I need for them to hear me. Because healing is going to be necessary to our survival. Mm-hmm. And it's a necessary part of recovery. It is recovery. It is. So yeah, so 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 to back to you know, you talking about your recovery process and all the positive aspects of your recovery process. Um, what were some of the feelings as you begin to heal? Did you experience what were some of the positive feelings? That oh you boy. Mm-hmm. I, I well, so I would say that some of those positive feelings definitely started um, on the spiritual journey. Um, okay. The burning of sage. Oh man, mm-hmm. it, you know that in particular. There, you know, there's different kinds of sage. What I have right now is cedar, but there's okay. a difference between the way they smell and the way right. that the white sage smells is just so. It's 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 very soothing. Um, I don't. I, it's hard to explain. It's very soothing, but the way it made me feel was very peaceful. You know, it felt. I felt like I created an atmosphere for myself. So, um, it, it. You know, having this peaceful feeling, kind of like, you know, um, burning the sage and and sitting back and relaxing was like almost like creating a little cocoon for myself. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So, a safe, a safe space. Right. Yes. So I I guess in that, because in that way, it's almost like, um, you know, how it feels when maybe, you know, you had a good relationship with your grandma when you were a kid and your grandma Mm -hmm. always wore this particular perfume. And when you Mm -hmm. smell that perfume again, it makes you think of your grandma and you get all of these warm feelings. You know, it brings back all of these wonderful memories. Um, Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it did for me. You know, it kind of connected me to nature even. Um, That made me feel really good. And then the next thing I did was bought myself a Himalayan salt lamp. I bought two, one for me and one for my son. Um, That was nice because then it really accentuated the atmosphere and created this glow. So it was almost like when I would go to sleep at night, burn the sage, light up that sage. Because, you know, it, even though it only, you light it for just a minute and it goes out, but it, it smolders and it, the smell lingers in the room. So I would, the room would be filled with the smell. And then this beautiful warm glow of this orange, pinkish salt lamp, it, it, it made me feel safe. I, I I realized in this recovery process that there were things that I could do. I could create an environment where I felt calm, peaceful, and safe. And then I began oh to get addicted to that feeling because I was like, this is great. <laughs> right, right. I think, uh, what's, what's her name? Jennifer Lewis. She's one of my favorite actresses. Mm-hmm. Um, I look up to her because like, like her, like you, she speaks openly about her past and where she is now. But you, she spoke about for so long, she was unhappy. She was miserable. But once she got a taste of some peace and some happiness, mm. she was 
protective about that and she was yes. clear. And I think her statement was, you know, when, whenever crazy or dysfunction or toxic decided to roll up on her, she was like, no, 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 no. I, you know, you don't have the right and nothing does to steal. So no more of my summers is what she said. Mm-hmm. So, so, and so she got, she got addicted to that peace of mind, that happiness, um, that, that glow, that positive energy, her being able to function. So she wanted more of that. Um, and she realized that she could control that and live in that mm-hmm. as much as she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it sounds like what, what you've done or what you've created is what I call a happiness plan. Mm-hmm. You know, we, plan to, we plan to, okay, we're going on this vacation. We plan to get married. We plan to have the baby. We plan to have this house. We plan on how we do this job. Well, we can plan to be happy. Mm-hmm. We can plan to be at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and your process, what I love about it is it, it's, it's unique, um, but it was very intentional and mm-hmm. it was still, still uh, created and it was done and you're still doing it. That's, That's the key. Mm-hmm. That's the key is that it was intentional. Once I right. began, and, and, and I'm glad you brought up Jennifer Lewis because she is the person that really, I mean, listen, I love her. I love to interview her. Oh my gosh, you know, when she gets out on her Instagram is lit. When she gets yeah. out there singing those videos, she makes those impromptu videos with her friends. It is so right. awesome. And she expresses this freedom, you know, and it's, and I can, part of that, I can tell part of that is this little mania, right? But there's a beauty right. and a freedom in it to get out and, and use it. She, I believe that she has learned how to take some of the symptoms of her bipolar and use right. it. She talked about how when she first, the doctor first recommended medicine, she didn't want it because she's like, oh, that's, that's my shit. That's my pain. Yes. <laughs> you know, but. You but, take my edge away from me? Yeah. Yes. yes but her, because her edge is just what makes her so, you know, we all love it, but it's the downside of the edge that we don't see on camera. But she's mastered and fine-tuned that edge on screen and on her, you know, her platform. And that's what really inspired me to say, you know what? She has learned how to make this thing turn into a positive. Let me do that. And I had to look at what, you know, my traits were. And I had to take those and and learn how to build those into strengths. Right. Right. You've done a very good job of that. And I've I've fortunately witnessed um, your growth and development, your, you know, the process of your growth and development. And what I can say is that you are very intentional um, and you are intentional in aligning yourself with peace and creating conscious choices. Yes. And I think for you, you have definitely learned um, and taught me and many others that authenticity equals happiness. And that's what we should be striving for. Yes. Um, and connect truthfully with ourselves. That's the importance of you telling your story is that you are able to connect truthfully with yourself. That's what yes. something that Jennifer Lewis talked about as well. You've got to be able to connect truthfully to yourself, be clear on it, and take actions yes. according to that. And yes. it's the same. 
That's yes. exactly what you've done. So thank cool. you. Yes, Great. thank you. <laughs> it makes me feel good. I feel like really special and important because I have this therapist that does all these great things telling me I taught her something. <laughs> no, oh. it's, it's obvious. In the work that you do, you telling your story. See, I don't think people understand how profound it is and what it takes for someone to finally take off all the layers, all yes. the masks. Yes. And this is me. This is who I am. And really, it's up to you to deal with whatever your emotions and thoughts and feelings is about me and who I am. Right. So it also is to live at peace. Mm-hmm. And you continue to make no apologies for it. So <laughs> I'm going to, to exercise you, to challenge you to continue to tell your story because more people, more women, more black women, more young black sisters will need to hear it and they'll need to see it. And you, you walk it. You show it. Thank you. Thank so you. Great job. Now, what's next for you? Um, what's the journey and everything else? Yes. Well, what's next for me is, you know, it seems as though, here's the interesting thing. You know how talk, people talk about how the universe does all these things, you know, when you get your chakras aligned, how things get better, how you can manifest things. I always believe that was straight BS. <laughs> I did. I always thought that was straight BS. But since I have been on this path of being more intentional, so many things have opened up for me. So, um, you know, last year I launched uh, Dynamics of Dialogue last January and I moved it into a podcast. And now I've got so many great opportunities um, coming up. I have um, a gentleman, um, Oski, from 11 High Holistic. He, um, nice. Yes, he makes cannabis oils and he's a nutritionist. He he's he's a holistic living person. And um, oh, that's, that's the brand of his business. And he's we're going to be doing a series on um, on on cannabis and nutrition. And the first we just talked about it the other day. We're starting with cannabis and nutrition and then going to um, whole food, plant based eating, you know, having yeah. an entire series because, you know, I want to focus on wellness. Um, I've just published I've really Republished my first book, Mind Funk Times 21. Um, thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. You know, when I first wrote this book, I still carried a lot of shame about my trauma, um, mm. about my experiences, and more particularly about how I responded to that trauma. Um, but as I healed and I accepted when I healed and did the shadow work, meaning, you know, acknowledging those feelings, acknowledging right. the dark parts of myself and accepting right. the dark parts of myself. Right. I'm good. I'm like, oh, well, you know, you know, like, what can somebody possibly tell me about me? Right. I, you you told your truth. I You're told my truth. truth. Right. right. You know, so, you know, and I find that it's it's beautiful, you know, and I, I'm going back and looking at the reviews and I'm finding how people are so changed, you know, so positively impacted by this book. Um so I'm really excited about that. And I'm also participating in another book um, and in an anthology called a poetic anthology. So I've got those two books out and I just started working on my third um, soul catcher. And that's, uh, oh. it's going to be a self uh, help sort of autobiography, autobiographical self help book. I couldn't get that word out. 
Um, and and this, this is also part of my challenges. Sometimes I, I just have struggles with words that are just regular. Um, so, but I'm getting that story out in a, in a self-help type form to kind of walk people through what it looks like and provide the, right. the helpful, you know, I didn't want to just tell my story because the story alone is really heavy. It's hard. Right. You know, um, but, you know, I'm conscious, again, being intentional. I'm conscious Mm -hmm. about where I leave people when I tell my story. So that's why I wanted to do it that way. So I'm excited about that. And I've even been asked to participate in another project for my alma mater. Um, I went to Rutgers University, yes, and I've been asked to participate in a project, um, book project, uh, relating to Paul Robeson. Okay. Yes, from the uh, Alumni Association, we'll be putting something out um, in that regard. And so I've got so many great things, and then I've got opportunities, you know, with you, uh, opening up the door for me to work with Absolutely. young girls again. Yes, yes. I, yes. I, I love that. Uh, that. That, that, that yes. is going to be something else that I invite you into, definitely with our younger generation. And I also think um, meeting and sharing your story and your your recovery with women um, within my own demographics because Absolutely. we're raising mm-hmm. this younger generation. And what are we transferring over onto this younger generation if we're not, you know, being responsible for our own healing? Right. Um, one of right. the things I, I I know for sure about you is that, and and about you and your process is that you have definitely opened up my eyes. Um, to how we can create options and possibilities and what that looks like. And you share that there are ways to change. We don't yeah. have to stay stuck. We don't yeah. have to stay where we are in, in misery and pain. Um, and creating that space wherever you are, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what it sounds like you've done and you continue to do. So I look forward to accompanying you on this journey. Thank um, you. I, I hope that you continue to tell your story as you go. You continue to journal your journey as as you grow and as you continue to heal and experience life. Um, I definitely support and encourage for everyone um, a holistic wellness plan, you know, or pathway. And I, I can tell that you've done that and you're, you're doing the work. So I appreciate you, again, just sharing and, and sharing your process and pathway with us. Thank you. You know, I'd like to, if, if it's all right, I'd like to read just a small excerpt from one of the essays in my book. Um, okay. That highlights what you said. Um, it's in okay. relation when you talked about sharing, um, you know, my journey with 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 women in our age demographic, um, I, I did have a huge revelation, you know, because I'd struggled with my son and his behavior for years and I didn't understand it. Um, but when I began to, to be introspective and be intentional about healing myself, then it made it easier for me to see the areas where he was hurting. And here's the section I wanted to read. And I said, parents, much of the trouble we have um, with our adult children is our inability to examine our own shortcomings in raising our children, in addition to surrendering our authority over them when they become adults. This is a serious problem that cannot be resolved without some level of, of introspection. That's the place where I met my shadow. 
You know, it, it wow. being introspective, you know, I had to realize, mm-hmm. you know, lots of us, particularly in our culture, you know, we, you know, there's always big mom and everybody got to do what big mom say, but, you know, we have to realize what we, what we're doing in that process is we're failing to surrender our authority over our children as they become adults. And that also inhibits them from healing. But well, it, it, we don't. We, we don't we don't teach them how to grow, how to develop, how to self soothe and right. heal. Right. We don't empower them when we do that. We take that 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 power away from them. And yes. then when Big Mom is no longer here, everything crumbles. Yes. Right. Yes. No, I, I'm I'm glad to hear you say that and acknowledge yes. that because that's something that's real. It's yeah. very real. I have, so I have to always find myself whenever I'm tempted. You know, if my son asks me something, do what he asks. Don't offer him right. what he didn't ask me. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Just do, if he asks right. me a question, okay, here you go. Do you need anything? Right. What can I do for you? You know, it, let him right. explore his own autonomy. Because, you know, how, how right. are you able to explore yourself as a person? Right. How are you able to connect to yourself if you don't feel like you have autonomy over your own life? Well, you don't know who you are. When someone else is making all the choices, decisions, and control, you don't even know who you are. So you can't have authentic autonomy. Exactly. It doesn't exist. So, yeah, it's about breaking the pattern. No, no, that's, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely appreciate our listeners today. I appreciate your time. Thank I am you. going to welcome them back to Dynamics of Dialogue. Hopefully, I will be back uh, at a later time to come in and 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 to to participate and be in a co-host. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity or guest host. I'm sorry, a guest host. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. This is a part of my own personal growth and development process or journey. Um, and as always, tune in every Sunday. Uh, I have to come back with some times, but we, we do post the shows on our page, follow our page, Dynamics of Dialogue, to tune in. Three o'clock. Um, with Sundays at three o'clock. Three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. And I'll just leave everybody with this one last thought. Be intentional yeah. with your plans and manifest your best.